Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of CIR Realty Business Mastery. We are here with Alan Tennant, President and CEO of CREB, the Calgary Real Estate Board. Hey, guys. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's great. And we had uh, we have Alan on today because Alan is uh, one of the most engaged people that we know. You have a background selling, which we'll talk about in a little bit here as well. Mm-hmm. But your knowledge of the industry, I think, is second to none of most people out there. And you're on the local level in Calgary here, obviously. You're also a provincial level. You know a lot of the happenings on the Alberta side. And you interact a ton with Korea as well on the national level, even probably around North America in some cases. So um, I appreciate you bringing the knowledge and taking time to share with us today. Wow. Thanks, Alan. Okay, how long have we gone? <laughs> yeah. right. I got to figure out something. We have exactly stuff. 48 minutes, Alan. Yeah. And, and the expectations <laughs> are very high. Yeah, no, this will be fun. Well, and you, on one note, before, and we're going to ask you to tell us a little bit about your background, but I just want to, and if I'm saying this wrong, correct me, but my understanding is that boards all around Canada, idolize might be a little bit strong but really respect the way the Calgary Real Estate Board is run. Like you are looked at as an example Hmm. as far as governance and the way you operate within the city and realtors. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It is, which, which is just really cool. I could go I on and on. Yeah, yeah, now I will. Good. I think, I think that you should because our realtors don't know that. I'm in some circles once in a while where I'm lucky enough to hear someone's at a meeting where that's spoken about, but I don't think our realtors really understand how widely respected um, their board is. Well, and it's interesting. I, I will get into some of my background here, but I, as I got more involved in organized real estate as a volunteer, I started to learn the same thing. So this has been kind of a, a perception about CREB for some time. So let's face it, it's something in our, our culture as entrepreneurs, as, as That's uh, true. status quo challengers and those kinds of things. So, um, but it is nice to hear that. We do hear it sometimes. Uh, we are drawn on a lot. And when I say we, uh, myself, members of the staff team, uh, members of the directors and so on, our past chairs, presidents, uh, get called upon quite regularly to serve on committees, to offer advice. How did you do this? That kind of thing. So it kind of is a proof point that, yeah, we are doing some interesting things. Uh, we, we, we do have a, um, kind of a, a spirit around or a, a culture around taking on risk. We're not crazy risk takers. But we'll analyze risk and, and maybe uh, take a different approach on it than other boards and organizations. So um, I've always uh, spoken of how uh, great it is to have a board of directors that's open to uh, new ideas, uh, that are critical thinkers who will make great ideas even better. And that's an important part of this dynamic. So there's uh, there's a lot of fingerprints on that reputation. That's fabulous. Yeah. And that when you talked about taking risks and that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, you just don't be afraid to try stuff and not of all that works. Yeah. And we, we deal with that on a brokerage level too, where you try stuff and some of it doesn't work, but some of it works really well. And you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. good thing we tried that. Exactly. And, exactly. and we're also members of, I think five boards now and no one holds a candle. Like I can't even, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to get into calling out no, names or anything, no, but, uh, but you don't know what you got wow. until you start getting other things. Well, and that, that's nice to hear. And the problem with all that is you shouldn't have to belong to five boards. We'll get into yeah. that later. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, that's, that's question right. four. Let's start with that. But, yeah. But, but the, the, the whole aspect of kind of taking risk and failing fast and, and, uh, you know, allowing yourself to focus more on the learning than the blaming. Um, again, it's, it's a cultural way of looking at it. And, and the fact that, yeah, we, we hold people accountable. We do, uh, you know, grind our teeth when there's a write off and, and, uh, you know, something just is a dismal failure. But, 
the ability to identify that and react quickly uh, is, is really important and to do it confidently. And that's what I try to instill in our staff team that I want to hear crazy ideas. I want to hear you say that thing you mentioned the other day, it's not going to work and yeah. here's why. And what about this? And then there's that better idea that we need to focus on. So, and it's not like we're crazily going along. We work with a, a, a very um, um, well laid out business plan. Our board of directors articulates our strategic plan. So, our approach is uh, quite systematic, <clears throat> but this is something I, I used in my real estate career. And I, I remember it seemed like about once a month, somebody would say, let's go for lunch. I want to figure out what you're doing. And my message was always have structure and then let the creativity flow. Because if, if you can rely on your structure in your, in your day, in your calendar, in your life, in your processes, that'll allow you to kind of let it rip when there's that thing that confronts you and you think, usually I would shut this down conversation, this idea, this proposal, a yeah. co-listing. One of the first times I had a call about a co-listing, it was like, uh, yeah, instead of, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, you, you go fail because I'm the expert in this area. I'll just do it and run with it. Totally. So instead, I took a different approach and made some extra money off. Yeah. On the side here and there. Great work. Great work. Well, tell us, take us back and tell us what your background, because you were a realtor, one of the <clears> top <throat> producers in Airdrie, if I'm, if I'm not yeah. mistaken as well. And I know you also do some work in Calgary too. So give us give us your background and then lead us up to CREB and then tell us about your role at CREB. Sure. So um, I actually graduated from SAIT uh, with a, uh, a diploma in business administration. I majored in marketing and um, I went straight out to, to work for the Toronto Dominion Bank. They were on campus doing interviews, um, got uh, job offers from all but the Royal Bank. <laughs> Still not over it. <laughs> That's funny. So, I, I, we heard later they only uh, made offers to BCOMs. It was like, well, why did you waste our time? Yeah. But it was a good experience. So um, I decided banking was uh, my, my entry point into the business world. It, it really did a lot of things for me in terms of structure and so on. I got to about the three and a half year point and realized I wasn't going to be the gold watch banker. Um, yeah. I, there was a lot about it that I, I just wasn't comfortable with, but uh, it was a great learning experience. And I had a lot of responsibility at a, at a very young age, basically, early 20s. I was assistant manager uh, wow. administration at a branch. So um, certainly on the move, I, we took moves. Uh, Rona uh, and I, had, you know, we got married while I was a banker and and she was uh, a banker as well with Scotiabank. But we both uh, threw ourselves into the idea that if we moved around, we'd move up. And uh, so we did that. But uh, along comes my father uh, running a, a group of weekly newspapers with some big ideas about growth and he needed a business guy, you know, and I trust you and you need to come and run the business. So um, after three and a half years and made this life decision uh, as we were in the hospital, uh, welcoming our uh, second born to the world. And I turned oh. to Rona and said, I, I think I'm going to quit the banking and go work for dad. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, in a time of life, we want the most stability possible. It's like, this is going to throw it off. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Anything I, else you want to bring up right now in yeah. the labor and delivery? Yeah, app? and so I can hit you over the head. Actually, sorry, that was with the birth of Michelle, our first, and uh, who was a realtor. And uh, it uh, it was one of those moments where I just realized I, I really wanted to get into the, the real aspect of running a business and not uh, the other side of it with banking. So. Uh, threw myself at it and, uh, dad really did need a business guy. You know, the orientation was so you can sit here. Uh, by the way, there's some stuff in my desk you might need. And I said, what, where's all the financial statements? How are we at? You know, where, where are things? He goes, Oh, they're right here. And he opened a drawer in his desk 
And it was absolutely overflowing with unopened bank statements. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, bit of a bank, a blank slate. And uh, it was uh, it was very interesting. So I, I learned how to sell. Uh, I went out and, and uh, I took on some ad accounts uh, almost right away and uh, uh, learned a lot about the production of newspaper, the importance of uh, community engagement, the, uh, you know, the, the risk uh, reward that comes with uh, being immersed in a community. And, uh, and this was in Airdrie and we made Airdrie our home. And, and uh, uh, but after a while, I realized that uh, the family dynamic was not uh, ideal. And eventually, uh, after I quit and dad lured me back and then uh, he fired me and I came back uh, the third time. This is in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody that's worked in a family business uh, would relate to this. But uh, um, finally, I said, dad, I, I want you to be my dad. I, I don't think we can work together. Yeah. And uh, he really uh, was enjoying me running things to the point uh, as long as I didn't try to change stuff that wasn't supposed to get changed. But. This was 1985. Uh, the economy was a complete train wreck. Uh, there was uh, not a lot of good things going on. Our receivables were out of control. Yeah, uh, I was clamping down on uh, everybody, including dad's friends, and uh, that posed some problems. But uh, I actually got a bloody nose out of one of those experiences. But that's for another wow. time. But... <laughs> <laughs> need some Baileys in my yeah, coffee. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you know, I mean, you got to do your job, and uh, sometimes you get feedback, right? So yeah. this... <laughs> This time I got it in the nose, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> on the street in Cochrane. But uh, anyway, so uh, moved into the uh, real estate realm at that point. Um, had uh, I always watched it closely. The, the local uh, brokerages in Airdrie were my accounts, so I got to know everybody there, and I kind of knew who I wanted to go with. And and interestingly, and there's some parallels I think to what I, I observe about CIR is the the office I went to had a really strong culture. Um, they, uh, they, they, they probably, I think they were the biggest at the time, but that wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted, I wanted training. I wanted to learn the business. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they, uh, they certainly had all that going on. And, and, uh, and this is 1985, pretty crude compared yeah. to what you guys are doing. Uh, and, and a lot of it actually was new. That was the interesting thing at the time. They're introducing, uh, new associate training and this kind wow. of stuff. And, and, uh, so. You know, there was there was uh, a lot going on in the environment. Uh, we had uh, a high foreclosure rate in Airdrie. You could literally walk some streets and every uh, third house would be occupied. Wow. Uh, and if you're lucky and, uh, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of challenges. But it was an environment where, again, it was a blank slate. There was lots of opportunities to learn and uh, you could make mistakes and, and they'd be forgiven. But there was dollar dealers uh, running around buying uh, homes, assuming mortgages and letting them go into foreclosure. Uh, we were putting together transactions with assumable mortgages and whatever down payment oh, or gosh. deposit you could get, that was the commission. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, you know what? There was a lot of weird things happening. So, um, But we had clients that were behind on their payments that just wanted to protect their credit rating. So right. like, the, the, you know, the dynamic of really embracing um, your, your client's interests and really doing the right thing for them. <clears throat> so I had a transaction once where uh, this, this family was behind the eight ball. Uh, I found a buyer for their place. Everything about the guy set off alarm bells. I thought, this guy's not going to close. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got a, uh, a cash deposit, of like a thousand bucks, and the additional deposit never showed up. And I, so I phoned the lawyer and said, so what are we going to do? This, this guy's disappeared. And he's one of these guys that would show up in his big fancy truck, mm -hmm. worked out of town. And anyway, all the usual things uh, happening. And the, and the lawyer said, well, we have a transaction. And he's given me instruction, which he had to close on the transaction. 
these guys are out front of their mortgage. Wow. Buddy here is buying a house. Wow. <laughs> so the deal closed. Wow. And it was totally legitimate. It was the right thing. And uh, he went into foreclosure. Later, I uh, saw something on the news that uh, he was charged with fraud. And uh, <laughs> <clears throat> this piece of work uh, had an extra little bit of uh, <laughs> different world foreclosure on his uh, on his resume. But um, the family needed to move on, you know, and it worked out. So yeah. in the end, you know, it was it was a bit of pro bono work, but uh, you know that was that was the nature <laughs> of the beast in those days. But at any rate, um, I got involved in. Uh, in organized real estate fairly early on. I was involved in the, as a volunteer in the Alberta Weekly Newspaper Association. So I always had that, that volunteer gene, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, and I focused on, uh, getting involved in organized real estate in CREB, mm -hmm. uh, because the light went on that my business was in Airdrie and I wanted to get to know other realtors. I wanted, yeah. uh, but I also wanted them to get to know me because they might send me that referral and say, I'm not driving out to Airdrie. Totally. You find them a house. So. Um, by exposing myself as a volunteer, you know, with an agenda, being honest okay. about it, it was about business, yeah. um, really opened my mind to how important that work was. So, so, but along the way, I, I became a broker, uh, and quickly realized I should not be a broker. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you, you have to be honest about yeah. what you're good at and what you enjoy. Um, working with the team, doing coaching, doing some leadership was great. It was a tiny office, uh, when I bought it. It had, uh, with a partner, it had 12 uh, associates, which in Airdrie is a decent sized office. Yeah. And we uh, bought it as partners. So I had my agent's license at the time because I wanted an upgraded license because I just thought it was important to get the highest level license I could. Yeah. I didn't intend to be a, a broker or yeah. an agent. And um, the partner was supposed to run things and I would be in the background. That kind of goes against my nature to sit by and watch stuff happen that I didn't think was right. And yeah, yeah I don't think that was the right answer on that problem file. <laughs> you know, anyway, um, eventually I bought them out. And uh, so I ran the brokerage for about three and a half years and uh, eventually had lunch with our banker. And he said, so why are you doing this? I mean, I look at the books and you're injecting. And in those days, it was crazy money, like eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a month oh, to, wow. to make it work. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. know, and this is in the, uh, you know, the, around 1990-ish, early 90s. And uh, anyway, but had the big dream, had, had the idea you yep. know, that, that maybe this would work. Uh, by then, by the way, I'd taken this 12-person brokerage and built it down to four. Because so, <laughs> <laughs> I like to do things in reverse. That's good. <laughs> okay. So I had, a, I had a banker questioning me across the table at lunch. And I said, well, I, he said, why do, you, why do you do this? And I said, ego. Like it just yeah. hit me and I had to be honest with myself that I was probably wow. in this position for the wrong reasons. And I didn't really need that validation. And what was needed to take the company to the next level wasn't for me. And in those days, there was a lot of talk about, you know, non-desk agents and yeah. you know, the Remax model was not in love with the idea. Yeah. And there was some challenges around, you know, how that would work. And I took the stand that I didn't agree with it. Yeah. I wasn't going to do it that way. And the, the fellow I sold it to, Rick Campus, yeah. uh, was was more visionary and brought in a bunch of people. And, and it was interesting oh, how it evolved. And yeah. uh, at any rate, um, long story short, I guess, uh, getting longer, uh, 26 and a half years of realtor, loved every minute of it, really enjoyed it. Along the way, uh, was privileged to be Krebs president, I think in 1998, um, had uh, uh, the opportunity to serve uh, at the next level. Um, I was not interested in being involved in area. 
I, I thought it was useless. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the honesty thing, it really was. I had Ron Esch say to me, say to me, finger in the chest, you need to go there. You need to get involved. If you think it's useless, if you think it's just a social club, you need to get involved. And I said, I, I just don't think it's worth yeah. it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and the tradition then was that the past president of CREB was always appointed to the area board. So there was this obvious hiccup that kind of <laughs> You're like, I'm yeah. not going. <laughs> I'll pass. But uh, the sidebar is we got involved uh, in realtor link. Uh, and uh, just a group of boards started talking about this, this intranet idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I ended up chairing it. And eventually we realized Priya should run it. Right. Uh, we'd, uh, we'd come up with this killer app called Web Forms. And uh, maybe not the best name for it now, right? Uh, as it's going through this change, but but web forms uh, was new because there was other companies out there that were providing a similar uh, tool, except you you would buy their discs. Like it was unbelievable how it worked. And we oh, said, well, no, it should be online. Let's yeah. do, let's put it on the internet. Yes, you know, uh, you know, this password protected area, and let the members use it. And it was really interesting ground we were breaking. And uh, anyway. Uh, Korea eventually took over RealtorLink, took over web forms eventually, wow. just a few years ago. And, um, and, you know, that, that whole process was quite an eye opener to the business of how national real estate worked and, uh, and the challenges that realtors had across the country. So I ended up serving on the Korea board, serving as president in 2006 and, and, uh, uh, along the way got to know a lot of really, really good executive officers, uh, and a few bad ones and a few people that portrayed or presented themselves as being really good. And they had these good reputations. And yep, I would think, thank God they don't run our board. Wow. You know, like, yeah. you no, know, they're, they're players, you know, or whatever. So anyway, I learned from that. I, I didn't ever see myself as a closet executive officer because some people do. Uh, and, uh, and they kind of, um, you know, have this ulterior motive to, you know, eventually get the job. Uh, I didn't, uh, but I watched what was happening around Ron Esch's uh, impending retirement and thought, what's going to happen? Where's this going? I was really concerned. I was a member that had a lot of questions about different things, as many people do present today. Yeah. And that's great. And I always encourage that. You know, it, yeah, it's frustrating sometimes and dumb shit gets posted, but, <laughs> but there's always something behind it that we need to look at. And I, I, I remember once we were going across the country. I'm going back to the Korea time. Yeah. Uh, and we were proposing a $30 technology fee to fund MLS.ca. Yes. Which became Realtor.ca. Yeah. And to fund RealtorLink. Like we needed the technology funds to do it. So uh, I was telling Lisa, our youngest daughter, that I was flying to Moncton. She goes, weren't you in Toronto last week? Yeah. And didn't you say you're going to Winnipeg next week? Yeah. Why, why are you doing these trips? And I said, well, we have to go talk about this. And she said, didn't you say it was $30? And I said, yeah. And she goes, that's not a lot of money. Why, why do you have to fly to Moncton to tell them it's a good idea? $3 a month. Yeah. yeah. So my 12-year-old was onto something there. But anyway, um, so we, we learned a lot during that process, too, about the importance of technology for members, the importance of a proper rollout of uh, making sure that you're delivering something that satisfies a need. Yeah. So, and there I was watching Ron's retirement and this trend that they were getting people from the outside. You know, they didn't have to be from the real estate community to, to run a real estate board, which I get. And I've got some colleagues that have that background and they're fabulous at what they do. Um, but on the other hand, it just bothered me. 
because I was very concerned that we were at a fragile point where things could go horribly wrong. So um, I had a few people encourage me to go for the job. And honestly, to their face, it was like, yeah, never. No, but oh, in the background, I was thinking about it and wondering and thinking, is this, is this a dream I can realize? So, yeah. um, and Ron had sort of projected fairly far out that he was leaving. So there was some time and I, I started looking at some training. So again, coming back to the, you know, one year, key, you know, key components to your culture is, is bettering myself and getting the right training to prepare myself for this job. So I, uh, I registered for, uh, uh, it's called the Canadian Society Association Executives, and they have a, a designation program of five course modules, and they each take about three months, and they're like 20, 25 hours a week of online work. I got two of the designations done before my interview, and, and I kept it all secret. Yeah. In fact, they ask you, you know, why are you taking the course and who's it on behalf of? And I, and I, I put ICREA which is the International Consortium of Real Estate Associations. So I kind of play a little bullshit game, but I needed a cover story because I didn't want, I didn't want to pressure the hiring committee. Right. I was, I was here and right. I'm getting ready and all that stuff. So I kind of created this, this cover story that I was doing it on behalf of ICREA to understand governance better and how to run an organization because like it, yeah. at the time, uh, we were leaders in the world uh, in trying to establish the right way to set up organized real estate and Saudi Arabia and China and all kinds of places. So, um, at any rate, we we uh, uh, went through the process. We, meaning Ron and I, was this decision. <clears throat> hey, what do you think about uh, fixed income when you start? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, how much is it? Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> well, it's less. But anyway, yeah. So, so she 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 got used to the less because it was every month. But the hours are better sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, sometimes. Except I don't know for your travel now. schedule, it's, I'm yeah, sure. it's different. I'm at home. Maybe I'm not racing around, but yeah. uh, in terms of driving around the city or whatever the acreages. But um, but the decision was made that I would go for it, and if I'm going for something, I go hard. So yeah. uh, I kept it very quiet. Um, I made a point of not discussing it. There was rumors kind of swirling. There was chatter. You should. Or, this should happen or whatever. It was nice to hear, but I, I knew I had to get there on my own merits. And in these processes, job ones to get the interview and then get there and, and deliver. So anyway, it was. Uh, it was what, what year did you start? So this, were you elected? Uh, so this this was. Yeah, I was I was hired in uh, the end of 2011. 2011. Yeah, so eight years ago. It's been that long? Wow. Just, passed, just passed my anniversary. Oh, my God. I've been doing that for this yeah. for eight years. Yeah, and it's time to go. Uh, <laughs> I say that, but it is. This is, Alan, this is Alan's last interview. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very special show. Well, I think I think it's important though that you know if you if you look at best practices around people in this role, and I'm not talking about organized real estate, but the CEO of any organization, there's a lot of uh, literature that explains that you know an eight to a ten year term is about the max because there is a, a settling in that starts to happen, and I've seen it. And and mm -hmm. uh, when when they hired me, I said I, I won't be replacing on for another 15, 20 years. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not wired for that. And, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm 61. I, I'm planning ahead oh, to. Oh, you look great, Alan. I didn't Banks. know you were that old. It's the lights. Yeah. Maybe it's the lights. <laughs> I would have never guessed. She said that old. For everyone listening on a podcast right now, you would have also not guessed that Alan was 61. Well, and I say that because I, my goal is to, to have yet another career. I, I don't know yeah. what that is. I'm not sitting here, you know, announcing to the world. This is a surprise to our board of directors. Yeah. Maybe the new ones. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, I've I've talked about that openly with the board. Yeah, I, I, I talk about my career plan and where I'm at with with uh, what's going on and so on. And and it's just 
the reality that for the organization, that renewal that comes with a new mm-hmm. staff leader is, is important. So um, I'm respecting that, but also giving the organization lots of time to think about it. So we do succession planning. That's we do all smart. kinds of things. Um, things are changing around us. So yeah. who knows what the future really holds? But, um, you know, Interesting I think it's you say that, not to talk myself out of a job, but I've been with CIR for 10 years this year in my role. And our graphic design, our lead graphic artist, Corinne Scott, has been here for nine years. And we were sitting in her office working on something yesterday. And we were listening to two newer staff members have a conversation about something. And they were just, and one of them was on the phone with a realtor and someone also sitting beside having a conversation. And the way they were explaining things and their upbeatness. And I said to Corinne, I'm like, isn't it nice to listen to new people talk? (laughs) (laughs) Because there is, there's something, there is something. I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, everyone who's older needs to go, but bringing in new blood, you can just, you feel it. Yeah. In general, regardless of what position it is, yeah. there's a nice yeah. to that. Well, and I, and I, I think it. that's a key part of leadership is yeah. to not even start for a minute to think, how can I turn this into a 30-year gig or whatever? You know, I mean, that's that's not the point. So um, so that's why there's this check-in every year with the board of directors on on my career plan. It's actually a, a part of the process where I talk about what uh, what my aspirations that's are. Is like it still that. a fit with my current role? So. Yeah. Let's let's pivot for a second now. Let's go to because um, I love the depth of your experience where it comes from. Uh, you've been in the trenches. You've been in tough markets. Um, you've been on the leadership yeah. side. You've seen uh, more than I even thought in terms of your experience with Korea and and work on you know, Realtor Link and pieces like that. Um, so so fast forward to today, and you've been in now eight years. What? What issues are you seeing realtors face in, in, and not necessarily today's market, but the business atmosphere, the environment that's around some of that? What, what are the hot issues for realtors right now, in your opinion? Survival. Yeah. Starts there. Yeah. I, this is the worst market I've ever seen. I mean, 35-ish years around the business, even if I count a little time being a, weekly newspaper salesperson going around <laughs> going, how about a full page this week? And it's like, yeah, have you seen what's going on out there? Yeah. You know, we've got all these listings, nothing selling. So uh, first of all, it, you know, the, everybody needs to congratulate themselves that they're here. Let's, let's not presume anything. And, and it's something we talk about at our staff. You know, I often tease my colleagues who come from outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like come from away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the ones that come from outside. And, and I, and I say to them, I'm, I'm going to help you speak realtor because some of them just don't get it. And, and they'll say, how am I doing? Am I bilingual? No. Yeah. I'm not even close. But, but part of it is understanding that, that, that realtors make the conscious decision to take a risk, to, to start a career where there's really no guarantees, you know, and there's all that, all that vanilla stuff about, well, you know, the day you start, every every listing out there is yours. You can go sell it and all that. Like yes, but you still have to create a business, and, and you have to think about what that business looks like, and and is it going to be what you want? Is it going to be sustainable? Is it going to keep you interested? So for 26 years, I was interested, but my business changed a lot, and I was I came uh, off a, a stage doing a presentation in London, Ontario, uh, and was quickly you know trying to keep a deal together, and I thought I need a partner. I I, I can't be the lone ranger anymore. So on the flight home. I turned to John Fraser uh, from Okotoks, yeah. who was also on the career board at the time, and said, I need to get a partner. You know, and he goes, Oh, who are you thinking of? And I said, Frank Shreenan. And wonderful man. Yeah. I, I just blurted it out. Yeah. So he said, Oh, have you talked to him? I go, No. <laughs> it just occurred to me. So, so uh, you know, it was one of those challenges where 
I had to adjust my business to serve a certain thing, uh, which is fine. But in the end, it really changed my approach. And I ended up with a team of five and we, uh, we traded off. Uh, we had a showing phone. Uh, kind of low tech solution, oh, smart, but, actually. but it was like Brilliant. sometimes those are the easiest solutions. Yeah. Here you go, Kirsten. It's Friday at noon, and I'm gone. Yeah. I'm yeah. not doing anything. That's you are, nice. and next week, and I will. And we pass it around the team. Perfect. It's one of those like, geez, you get a cheap phone, and what the hell? You yeah, know? and it's, that's the number that went in the system. Anyway, it was little things like that that really uh, impact our, our, our work life balance. And and it occurred to me uh, the year I was career president, I I traveled. Uh, well, the year I was CREB president, I actually was invited to a brokerage uh, shortly after. And they so tell us what year. And I said, well, it was away uh, 75 days. And wow, that's a lot. I go, yeah, and I'm not giving it back. That's Now it's my time. I'm going to find a way to build that much downtime into my business because you need to stay fresh. Yeah. You work every day. Yeah. It shows. And you have to find a way totally. to, to, to keep fresh. So, well, and, and, and today, in the market <clears> today, too, you, know, you were mentioning just from a survival perspective, it's probably very tough for how much realtors are putting in day after day after day. And the output and the results that they're seeing aren't necessarily as exciting as they are when they're doing a lot of work and things yeah. are selling and yeah. buyers are coming to the table as well. Yeah. So just that pressure of doing, 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 I bet that's, that's tough right now. Well, it is. And, and you know, it's, it's a funny thing, but we, we get caught up in, in the boom bust mentality and, mm. and everybody wants to fight it. You know, we, one of the you know the buzzwords that's floating around out now, the phrase that we're always hearing about is economic recovery and the economic downturn and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> this is what it is. You yeah. know, this this is not a horrible market. People are buying and selling real estate. I remember in my darkest days, and I once and it was funny, but it, the, I keep coming back to Frank. But there was a conversation him and I had at the copier. I mean, it wasn't the two hundred foot copier like yours that you just showed me, but <laughs> holy shit, yeah. <laughs> these guys have good equipment, for you guys. <laughs> but. Um, how you doing? Uh, Frank says. And I said, well, not worth a shit. I haven't sold a house in like four months. He goes, really? I've been like three months. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and anyway, I, he later he came up and he said, I really appreciate being so honest because I, you know, I'm beating my head against the law. Yeah. I said, Hey, you know, we've both done a lot of business. This isn't going to last forever. Totally. But you know, that's my message is, is first of all, recognizing that you chose a hard profession. And, and you're, you're good enough at it that you're still here. Mm-hmm. I get that you're not happy with what's going on. But the reality is every business out there is doing more for less, you know, and, and that's the problem. every business. It's so and that's true. What I go out of my way to be exposed to right now is what's yeah. happening out there. And I'm not talking to oil, I'm talking everything. So what the focus needs to be on is, is how you find your niche in that market and how you create, a, you know, a, a business that will satisfy the profit motive because everybody's in this to, to bring home a living. That's right. You know, this, this business that you guys run here so well. Uh, has to generate a profit. You know, we, we need to allow brokers, <clears throat> excuse me, to be profitable. We need to uh, uh, have an environment where uh, the profit motive isn't a bad thing. So realtors get paid. They get paid a lot. They, yep. they don't get paid a lot every day. No, so, that's right. So if, if that was the model, everybody would do it. It's not. So people come and go because they can't make, make a sustainable career out of it. So, so the, the bigger challenge right now is taking all the, the negative noise that's out there and think hard about what's really going on. And I heard an interesting stat yesterday. I'm, I'm on a city of Calgary finance task force trying to figure out this, this big problem the city has with residential versus non-residential taxes. Tax, so yeah. It's fascinating, uh, mind blowing in some ways. But one of the stats we heard was, uh, first of all, did you know half, half of the tax revenue that's collected on your annual property taxes? 
goes to the province. And I'm not saying that in a negative, yeah. accusatory way. Oh, yeah. But, but the city is very efficient and the towns and villages around the province collection mechanism for the province, as it should be. If you think about it, it's probably the simplest way to do it. Totally. However, that's one of the realities. And we see that number that we pay for our taxes and geez, they're pissing it away. Well, the reality is their half of it is what we need to focus on. But when you look at the downtown vacancy, and I get this question a lot when I'm traveling or even on a conference call. Hey, how's it going? You guys still got a third of the office space downtown vacant? I say, well, I, Ron and I live downtown. <clears throat> is it, is it less busy? Yeah and no, but yeah, you know, there's some buildings that probably shouldn't have got built. That's right. Yep. Yeah, totally. We are overbuilt, but the reality, and the stat I heard yesterday confirmed it, is that we have almost the same occupied uh, office space downtown per capita as most major markets in Canada. Really? Oh. So we run around beating ourselves up and saying, well, it went from 32% vacancy to 26%. And, and, oh, why? That's a bunch. Well, it's not. It's, it's because they're giving it away. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it filled up. But the reality is there's, there's a, a rebound happening. So that's where I think we need to change yeah. our language and our thinking around our economic challenges and the fact that this is a market where people yeah. buy and sell homes typically because of a need, not so much because they want to make money and we're trying to time the bottom of the market or the top of the market. We overthink that. Yeah. You know, the, the market is the market. So when somebody says, Hey, come and sell my house or come and help me find something. Yeah, there will be that point where they want to be, be making that smart economic judgment. Yeah. And, and you're going to come back. And I know you guys do this with that great quote from Anne-Marie Lurie saying, but did you know? And this and this and totally. helps them piece together a decision. At the end of it all, what are they telling their family? We found the house. Absolutely. That's gold. We, yeah. we just uh, walked into an open house, uh, like Bonavista, and bought it. Uh, like just literally off the cuff. No plans. Well, not, <laughs> so we, we had a plan, but the plan was like a year and a half or, okay. or five years. And so we ended up, uh, buying it. Open houses work. Had been on the market for, uh, about eight days. Uh, we bought it and then we listed our property and two days, two offers sold it. And it so. It was priced correctly. And yeah. Well, and we, and we, we, we spent two weeks staging it and painting and everything else like that. Stuff. Yeah. But it's like we do. took care to set it apart from everything else that was out there and, and it's you know, sold. And it happened. But the, the point of that was that the, the buyers, uh, the sellers on the side that we bought, you know, it didn't take long. We were active buyers yeah. in the market. And on our side, um, you know, we had nine people, nine groups through on one day in an open house, um, 10 groups the next day, whatever it was. And it's like, so there, people were out there. And this is, this is December. This is like, this is like in last December. This is, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, our when? deal went firm two days ago. And so it's like, this is happening. So happening. tell me that nothing's happening out yeah. there is not true and the increase that we had in our property. So, so we see it, but, and, but I, one more comment when we talk about 10 year averages, well, let's think about, and even 10 year averages going back to, you know, 2006, 2007, well, that's just blew away 10 year averages for the next 10 years because you put boom cycles like that when you talk about per capital stuff. And I remember I was laughing, talking to my cousins who lived in Winnipeg and I was like, yeah, I made like, you know, I made like 30 grand this month and stuff like that. And, just Calgary and the Ralph Bucks, you know, they're handing sure. out money and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, yeah, we're just, people are just handing Albertans money. And, yeah. and it's like, that's not normal. <laughs> and then, so that comes to 10 years. And everyone's like, oh, well, we're well below the 10 year averages. And I'm just like, let's think, <laughs> let's think about what, what that average was. Yeah. So I, so to, to your point, it's like, let's get some realistic perspective on this. We're not order takers. We, we have to be able to, 
provide um, you know, meaningful services and guide people through it. And yes, you got you to look a little bit harder, turn over a couple more stones to find the next transaction. Well, one thing that <clears throat> always makes me proud about realtors, <clears throat> excuse me, and we hear this uh, a fair bit, I hear it a fair bit, uh, is, is that uh, they give consumers advice not to move on a deal. Yeah. And I remember doing that in my career and it was instinct. It was like, I, you know what, guys, your take on the yeah. market, your take on the, you yep. know, the net you're going to get and everything else. I, I, I think you're right. I think the best thing to do is not put a sign on the lawn, you know, and, and, or not buy right now, or even in the middle of the process, you realize there's a dynamic going on that's not healthy. Um, you know, that's the reality. That's the trust position that realtors are in. It's so special. And, yeah. and we, we can't, Forget that. And, and this is this is an environment where there are people that want to find a scapegoat. I had somebody tell me the other day that, you know, a deal fall through and, you know, well, I've already been yelled at this morning. And it's like, okay, I get it. Nobody likes getting yelled at. Uh, but the reality is that consumer really needs this to happen. Yeah. You know? And who better than, than one of our members to help them get there? And the fact that, that it's so challenging and it's so hard is, is what separates everybody from the order takers right. and, and, and the people that show up when, when the gravy train's running. But, but what we saw in, in the last real upcycle is that was a really tough market to make a buck to. And I came across people that said, I, I can't figure it out. There's deals flying all around me and I can't, I can't land one of them. Like, I don't know what oh, I'm doing wrong. Or you get a bunch of competing offers. And we have like, people were talking about, I had 10 unaccepted offers yeah. that came in just because we're competing on different stuff. Like it was yeah. insanity, some yeah. of the stuff that happened. Yeah. And then people say, well, there's no inventory. And it's just like, we hear people talking Victoria and other places. It's, yeah. it's like, no one's ever oh, happy. Yeah. No one's ever happy. Where's that sweet spot? No one's, well, ever, no one's ever happy. <laughs> exactly. But some of these other markets hardly ever change too. I mean, Winnipeg's a good example. It's a flat line. Yeah. You look back over, you know, decades. Yeah, so. Ottawa's like that. <clears throat> it's just, it's just. There's very little movement. And I think we've, we've gotten accustomed to the fact there's going to be all these swings. And I think what we have right now is, first of all, normal. This is our new normal. Yeah. And it's not going to change very much. Yeah. One of the things that I think is sad, and my educational background is in public relations, and you look at media trends and you know what the media is hoping will happen, and it's a bad news story because nobody shares and comments and tunes in at 6 p.m. when something good happens, unless like it's really, 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 really good. Like oil is at like $120 a barrel, instantly good. Yeah. And you can just tell that there's so much negativity being reported on. And then the thing that I hate the most, and I hope for all of you doing this, you stop, is that we have realtors who share this. Just like the negativity on their Facebook page or their Instagram, and it's just, and it's just this <clears throat> perpetual, here are all the, and I don't know if it's from a political standpoint where it's just, you know, that's kind of where you're blaming it. But there's like, to your point, at the end of the day, People want to find a house that they're happy to live in mm -hmm. and they want a good situation for their family. Yeah. And if we can start telling more stories around home ownership and the value of home ownership and what it means for your life to be in a place that you feel good in, that your family feels good in, instead of blaming these outside factors on all of these things that really don't have that much to do with your day to day. Yeah. Like I, and there's, there's 5,000 of us, you know, just in Calgary, like that's a lot of people mm -hmm. that if everyone collectively started telling a little bit of a different story to the hundred people that they know, that's 500,000 people hearing some pretty positive stories. Well, being able to back it up as well. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the point. I mean, it's human nature to, to, to jump on the negative part of things, but, yeah. but this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is just plain old piling on, yeah. you know, the, the, and it's the easy story to tell that, you know, the, this bad thing happened. And I've seen those posts on Facebook too. And I, you know, really, I, 
I, I think life would be better without Facebook, to be really blunt about it. I yeah. mean, because it, it, it's a different dynamic that, that feeds into the, <clears throat> excuse me, the negative part of our psyche. So we, we have to figure out, uh, how to tell the story, the positive story without it looking like that's all we care about because we just want people to buy. Of course. You know, and I think that's the balance. And, and I picked that up on what you were saying, but, but only realtors can tell that story. The economists won't. Yeah. Only realtors I mean, can tell that story, for sure. Five out of three economists predicted the last recession incorrectly. So, <laughs> so, so true. So true. So yeah. That happens all the time. It's an yeah. old line, but it's so yeah. true. And, and uh, you know, Amory Lurie is, is brilliant in what she does. Yeah. Uh, but, and she cringes sometimes when I try to shape, you know, our, our monthly press release or whatever. Ah. <laughs> I always lose that argument, by yeah, the way. Yeah. But I mean, they're trying. Uh, but the, the idea is that we, we have to have credibility. And I think that's the point. So, so sure, present the reality, yeah. the flip side of everything, but don't lead with it. Well, I don't think that's necessary. You know what an interesting tool is to your point about facts? So Steve Phillips, our broker, <clears throat> has been, you know, weeks and weeks, and this is kind of just coming to fruition, but he has one of our admin staff curating all of the showing time data just for our brokerage in all of the different price points, week mm. over week. So in any given week, how many properties have been shown in this price point, this price point, this price point? And it's numbers and it's facts. And the amount of people going to view properties just within our brokerage, like you look at these numbers and it's crazy. Yeah. And that's a fact for people yeah. to be like, these homes aren't selling. Well, did you know that, you know, 450 people between 700 and 800 just last are actually going around looking at these properties? Like, the second week like, like does, does it say no one's, yeah. no one's doing this? Like, well, we, we have some pretty hard facts to show that. There is some interest in that. Like, it's not all doom and gloom, but you have to back it up with some facts. Well, and that's brilliant. I mean, the data matters, and especially matters. when you when you tell a story that's not being told. Yeah. Because yeah. now now you have people's interest. Yeah. That's right. So, and realtors are great storytellers. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Um, let's switch switch gears again. <laughs> uh, from the board's perspective now, and we'll combine these because uh, you know you guys have uh, committees, you have work that the board mm -hmm. itself is doing. Uh, you have work that your administration is doing as well. And what are the, what are the, the key issues? What are the topics? What are realtors or what do you guys? Locally, provincially, busy? nationally. Yeah. Well, kind of just in general, like just how it's sure. package it. Yeah. There's a lot going on. I mean, I, I brought up web forms earlier and Korea is going through a change there. And it's, it's, it's a hard dynamic. And, uh, you know, again, if you're a web forms user and, uh, you know, it seems like our members are more focused on repre. But just, it, I just did it two weeks. I just did it last week. Yeah. <laughs> just on the, the new web forms. I'm like, yeah. oh no, I, I actually had to, cause I listed my own house oh, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is all changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so got through it though. Yeah. Well, and, and there's really good training. And I think that's the important thing. And we found that a few years ago when we did the transition, transition to matrix and it was highlighted again when we uh, did the, the key box transition to central lock mm -hmm. because it looked similar. It felt like I could figure it out. No, this is, this is a really important business tool. So let us train you and, and, and learn it. So, so right now with web forms, that's my strong message is to uh, avail yourself of the training there. Um, I'm on uh, Korea's governance and bylaw committee. I feel a bit typecast, uh, but <laughs> anyway, um, and they struck a, a task force uh, looking at Korea's voting structure. So on the national side, there's, there's a continuing challenge around the voting structure of, of our national body. And it's all federations. That's really what Korea is. It's, it's a federation of, of organizations. Uh, all federations are challenged by finding that right mix of, of uh, you know, direct user inputs and local and regional boards and all that kind of stuff. And and it, it's it's been a problem uh, for many years that's never really been solved. 
the voting structure I'm referring to. Um, and what, what we're dealing with right now is one board, TREB, uh, actually has more than half the votes. Oh, so so just, just by size, yeah. sure size. Yeah. Uh, and, and how the model works is, is boards get one vote for 500 members. That's a good month for Trev. Mm -hmm. Not a, not a great month. A, a, more like a typical month. Yeah. They get 500 new members a month. Wow. So the voting wow. structure is is changing in a crazy way. Uh, and with the amalgamations that have been happening in Saskatchewan and Quebec, again, there's there's a consolidation of of uh, a voting power. Uh, and power is probably not the right word to use because it doesn't feel like there's much power there. But but it's 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 a challenge. So again, his goal is to have kind of a broad uh, countrywide uh, representation in decision making and, and influence. So, you know, that's a noble principle to go after, but it's hard to make work. So, so we're can, I, can I ask a, a, a super rookie question? You can tell I'm not involved in any of this. So when we were to think of what is interesting to the agents watching about that, um, just because for them, they're like Korea voting, whatever, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But for something like influence on the way the new mortgage rules went into play, mm -hmm. something like balance of BC speaking and Alberta speaking, the boards involved in CREA yeah. and influence and in voting. I'm assuming if everything is coming from Ontario where the problem or a Vancouver where the problem is totally different, having equal representation when you're talking to the government or CREA's position, that probably all matters, that there's equal weight in issues yeah. like that because otherwise we get affected because our voice and how that affects our market is so tiny. Yeah. Would that be a correct assumption? That's, that's a great bridge. Yeah. And, and I appreciate uh, you sort of bringing it back because I get caught up in this stuff like everybody cares. <laughs> Cold water splash. <laughs> but, but that's, that's the goal here is for, for that decision making dynamic to be better because, um, the, the changes around the realtor code, uh, there are, has been some changes proposed. So, you know, the code of ethics matters to every uh, member on the street. Uh, but how does it matter and what's happening? Why, why does the change matter to us? Uh, but advocacy around things like the stress test and, and what happened, what didn't happen, the whys around that, that's the group that looks at that. So again, do we want just the TREB perspective? Of course not. Even TREB knows that's not optimal. Of course. Most of them. But, but, um, you know, that's the, the, the balancing act that we have to figure out. So Korea's focused on some very big issues right now. And we're very fortunate to have Cliff Stevenson. On the uh, Korea Board of Directors, yeah, and, he's and fabulous in a leadership position. So he's, he's vice president. Uh, I can tell you, it's virtually unheard of for somebody in their second term, second second year of their first term, to become vice president of Korea. That's amazing. Right. So, and we're very lucky in Alberta to have somebody in Alberta and in and in the West and in our marketplace. You know, for us to be, you know, not everyone's going to benefit for that, but fortunately for us to have Cliff coming from yeah. Calgary representing our voice there with his perspective. That's great for us. Well, exactly. And, and you know, the fact that he, he sort of took on a leadership role so quickly speaks to his his abilities, but uh, it is good for us because now our sensibilities, our sensitivities, you know, our concerns are on his mind too. So right. um, that is great. that's important. And uh, and now just sort of bridging into what's happening provincially, I talked about amalgamations in Saskatchewan and, and Quebec, and, and it's been interesting yeah. how those have evolved and, and they both kind of came to a head quickly. In, in Quebec, it was a, a different dynamic where it really was just over a few months that all the boards there got together and formed a new provincial body, and that was it. They took away their, their board level, so they have one membership in organized real estate in, in the province. Uh, of course, they still belong to CREA, but one, Albert, or one membership in the province. So uh, Saskatchewan went through a very similar thing. 
the last version of it didn't take that long. I'm going to say two years, uh, but it was after 20 years of failed attempts. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, Interesting. So uh, they worked through it and, and got there. So for us, uh, when I said earlier, uh, I, I would have said, you know, I did say no thanks to area. Honestly, if I was asked today, I'd say, hell yeah. There's yeah. a lot of really good things happening there. Um, you know, they uh, uh, are leading edge in terms of, and they meaning us, because uh, we were part of the governance change, but uh, it's the only provincial association in the country that's a, an appointed board. And that's the way it should go. So right. you, you want best person philosophy is a catchphrase, but you really break it down. What you want is the best people in that role for the right reasons. So, you know, and the analogy is if we were going to form, you know, an all-star hockey team right now, are you going to say, great, I, I, need, a, I need a kid from every community to play on this team? Absolutely right. not. No, I want, I want the eight best boys or girls to be on the team. And I don't care if they all live in the same street yeah. or yeah. come out of the same house. Now, is that a problem in the federation environment? Well, of course, that yeah, of kind course. of goes against yeah, what yeah. I was just describing. Yeah. Is it a problem provincially? Well, it can be. So there is actually some regions that, that identify that, but we're, we're in with two other boards now where before, you know, we had three votes at one time, three directors on the area board of directors, yeah. which was dysfunctional and it right. didn't work. So, so there's been a lot of really great dynamic change there. We're in the midst of, uh, uh, the real estate act review right now, like up to our eyeballs in it and it's coming at us fast. It's one of these slow moving trains where you can see, you can see it and like, holy shit, it's really moving. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, Brad and uh, Brad Mitchell and Heather Coleman over at Area have done a fantastic job in, in opening it up so it's a collaborative environment. But there's a point in there where they have to say, no, we've got intel or we've got contacts and said we can we can do this, but we can't do that. So so that's where the strategizing has to be based on good, hard data, relationships. Boy, it sounds like a real estate situation, but yeah. it's very similar. So so the Real Estate Act um, review is, is partially focused on improving uh, RECA's governance. Uh, that dumpster fire uh, has has created a lot of problems uh, for us. And I wrote a Kreb Chat article about it saying, look, this isn't about you guys. It's not. It, it's nothing you need to apologize for. Realtors didn't create this. Realtors yeah. respect self-regulation. Yeah. They do self-regulate. Yeah. I've told this story many times. I've told it to the government. If I went out and got five realtors and sat them down and said, this just happened, what do you think? First of all, they'd be appalled, probably, yeah. depending on what the situation, and it almost doesn't matter what it is. Leaving a back door unlocked, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Take away their license. <laughs> but that's the part two that I always explain. Yeah. And what they want is they want, they want stronger uh, penalties. They, they want more, uh, more protections for their brand because it really matters to them. And that, yeah. that's a dynamic that we really uh, are, are sort of carrying into this work. So, um, Rika uh, Council uh, was uh, removed from office, which you know it was a bit of a black eye. Uh, on the surface, it looks like we lost self-regulation, but the reality is, we never really had self-regulation the way we all think that works. It was essentially a model of co-regulation, right? And um, does that really even matter? Well, it does to the government because the government's principal concern is protecting the interests of Joe and Mary Sixpack. That's what Ralph Klein used to call it. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And and uh, so the average Albertan on the street needs their government to protect them. Totally. So it's, again, it's not a shot at realtors. It's just this is what we need, and and they are charged with the responsibility of balancing that against the needs of the industry. So not all industries are regulated, but those that have a position of trust have access to consumers and vulnerable times, or you know, there's a whole list of criteria. 
but everybody knows I'm describing realtors now more than anything. So, so we need to embrace regulation. We need, we need it to work way better. Uh, the dysfunction around uh, what was going on the last many, many years, not the last three, four years, which some people try to portray this as a recent problem, but for many years, there's been frustrations around how things worked and, and an adversarial relationship. And I, and I was a party of that, a part of that. I <clears throat> wrote 20 page sonograms, uh, you know, that, you know, made our case. And, you know, it would always start with a three line email replaced, uh, responded by, uh, you know, a 20, uh, uh, you know, paragraph email followed up by a strong letter. And, you know, so, so they would escalate in a, in a ridiculous fashion. And to what end? Honestly, um, we need to move past that. So, so, you know, the, the collaborative work, the importance of speaking with one voice to government is critical. So that's what we're really focused on right now with, uh, with our provincial colleagues and with area. And yeah. again, sometimes it is just, uh, and you know, you've been there, you've been at uh, broker, uh, summits where we've talked about challenging issues and you've been very open, Lindsay, uh, expressing your concerns yep. and area listens. And, yep. and, you know, they're, they're trying to change their approach as well. But, you know, the, the reality is real estate boards have an advantage because of our proximity to the members. That's right. And the fact that we're providing services that they need, like walking through your office and having the tour and it's a fantastic building uh, uh, facility. Um, any, any one of those agents could have said, by the way, you know, what about this or what about that? Now, if Brad Mitchell was walking through, there'd be only a handful of things because that's the way it works. Right. Um, so, so, you know, the, the, the reality is that, that, uh, um, our proximity gives us a little better sense of what works and what doesn't work, work in terms of engagement. Um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that, you know, their work is easy and we should go do their work in Edmonton in terms of advocacy and so on. So, um, we've started talking very openly about our, you know, our board's desire for CREB members to have one Alberta membership. Yeah, so, that's perfect. That's my next question. So, so tell us about, yeah. tell us about that. So again, we look at what happened in Quebec. We, we looked at what happened in Saskatchewan. And when I say look at, we, we analyzed it. We, we flew them in from Saskatchewan to talk to us about it. And we invited, uh, our colleagues from other boards, the leaders of the uh, other boards in the area to a meeting on May 15th this past spring and said, we're inviting the folks from Saskatchewan. We just want to pick their brain for the day. We're paying for it. You're welcome. Well, there was some grumbling and bitching, and, and Chair Sarah Johnston was was brilliant in managing this. Um, it, it <clears throat> excuse me, it was not easy to get all the people in the room, and there was some that weren't there, uh, and then to get them to participate fully. Uh, but we, uh, we we had a very good day, and it really kind of created that threshold for better change to come, basically. And I I really believe that when the KPMG report landed in July. Um, our, our provincial real estate community was in a better position to react than we might have been before because we were quite fragmented. I mean, the three-way agreement voting had happened yeah. where it, it enables boards to have direct membership in Korea, you know, bypassing the provincial association. Um, us in Edmonton were, were parties to that. Uh, we championed it, you know, uh, we were in the room when the idea was hatched, uh, and uh, and we brought Edmonton in later. I love pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> actually, Vancouver brought them in, and we said, "Well, okay." <laughs> now I'm really inside baseball here. But That's awesome. <laughs> you guys are pulling this out of me. Yeah, I like it. Um, but but we um, we we found a dynamic where for our organization, we realized our focus needs to be on one Alberta membership. I, I wrote a discussion paper. My, my first full year on the job, like almost on my one year anniversary that talked about flattening 
all of the organizations in the province into one, getting rid of the boards, getting rid of area, creating new org, calling it something new. Basically, it's what happened in Saskatchewan. Um, but I kind of held my breath and sort of gave it to Bob Jablonski, who was president, and said, you might want me to clean up my desk after this, but I'm basically advocating to get rid of me. You know, yeah. you don't, you don't need all this infrastructure. And, and, uh, I, I made the comment then that there was $30 million roughly, uh, collected from Alberta realtors to run two levels of organized real estate. Right. I bet we could take that $30 million and do something really freaking amazing. Yeah. And I got challenged and argued at and everything else and the numbers weren't right and whatever. And I said, well, what are they then? Yeah. Like, Let's figure it out. <laughs> Here's our financials, yeah. you know, and it was like uh, other reasons. We're not going to talk about it. So so we have a, a, a new leadership group at area that's more receptive to this kind of thing, but they're balancing the fact right. that they've got 10 member boards. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, our idea may not be the idea for everybody, but what we're thinking about and proposing now is something that does maintain the status quo for boards that don't want to become one. And they like paying two set to do's, whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's so ultimately it's think, up to you guys. When do you think it's all going to pan out? I think I think hopefully sometime in the next year or so we'll start to see something formulate into a, into a strong idea. Um, you know, the the amalgamation fever around organized real estate is is everywhere around North America. Yeah, it is. It's just not unique to us. No, yeah. it's not. And and uh, NAR, the National Association of Realtors in the U.S., has been extremely aggressive. I'd say going back the last five, six years, where they have targets for the number of boards they want amalgamated. That they, they oh, they'll, wow. they'll specifically set out goals and they'll go to whatever lengths to convince organizations to merge up. And they, they have uh, minimum board standards that are far more strenuous than what we have in Canada. And Krebs from one of the boards advocating for stronger. We advocated for, and this sounds minor, but it really matters for the board president to sign their annual uh, compliance report. And it's a big report and there's been a lot of bitching about, well, there's so much detail here. Well, no, you, you have to sign the report and your chair has to sign it. Your president has to sign their name that it's, it's in compliance because there was this bullshit. Yeah, we comply. So interesting. It's not good enough anymore. So back to, back to the chip. Alberta market here for a second. Using your crystal ball, what should we expect for 2020? <clears throat> Stability. Let's look at it in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, th this is gonna, going to be a stable environment. Um, I, I refer to it as the new normal, like that's a, a new catchphrase. Uh, but it is. Uh, th this is more of a normal environment. And when you look back at Alberta's history, we get distracted by this stuff, but, so but it actually the trend line is, is more, more balanced and flat. So, um, we, we're going to see some good news here and there. We're, we're going to see a little bit of bad news, I'm sure, but having a, a, a calendar year where you have a provincial and a federal election, is a recipe for disaster. And you mm -hmm. factor in all the other crazy stuff going on in the US uh, with Brexit. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of negativity in the air and, and potential talks or, or you well, know, we'll see what the Senate does. I and mean, it's, it's, it's all that stuff's interesting. Exactly. And it's yeah. the old problem. Bank of Canada, you know, gets, gets an idea in their head and it affects everybody, you know, and suddenly, you know, consumer debt is a, a, a glowing concern. Well, is it really? And maybe, maybe that's what saved us in the last, uh, you know, tanking that happened globally. Uh, with fi the financial sector. But on the other hand, uh, these constraints, uh, especially around the stress test, created undue stress on our markets that didn't need to happen. So we've delivered that message. Amory Lurie and I were invited to a meeting with uh, Stephen Pelos, the Bank of Canada governor, last November, and we got into it. 
and he's a feisty guy. Yeah. That's fabulous he, he, that you and Emily were able to do yeah. that, though. That's great. And he came at me a little bit, sort of challenging me on some stuff because I challenged him. And yeah, it was perfect. great. And, and perfect. I, I read before and I read since. He, he kind of likes that. Yeah. You know? But I had his uh, second in command come over after and say, you were right to push back. Emery and your reporting is, is balanced. You guys are not coming up with this rose-colored glasses. This yes. is trying to portray. Yeah. Uh, approach to things. Uh, and uh, we have a lot of respect for, for her work. And I said, good, tell your boss. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> so he knows. Yeah. So it was one of those casual conversations. So Do you think you see anything changing on that anytime in the next <clears throat> two to three years as far as Alberta is concerned? Um, or variations to the provinces where that's going to be yeah, still a mandate? I think so. I mean, you know, the stress test can be uh, indexed. <clears throat> the government uh, tried to stake out that, well, you know, well, Pelosi said that's bad economic policy. And uh, the government said, well, we don't, we don't do that kind of thing. Well, you do with employment insurance. It's, it's in fact double indexed. So you might want to think hard before you start pushing things away because mm -hmm. it won't work. This will work. The, the government uh, very aggressively brought in a new national housing strategy. Uh, they've uh, tasked CMHC, which Honestly, I don't know if that's a great idea or not. I don't know if they're equipped or even yeah. deserve the work. I'll say it. If you follow uh, the CMHC CEO on Twitter, you'll know why I'm saying this. Uh, but I got to like that. Yeah. Twitter yeah. follower. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, there, there's, there's some things happening in and around, uh, uh, you know, fiscal policy, economic policy, and so on that are challenging. Um, you know, we, we focus on that stuff and we think hard about it, but. Uh, you know, we, we can't get hung up on all, all the potential things that might happen. So all these things lined up uh, to create, uh, you know, I think an even worse environment this last year. And here we are. So now we're looking forward. Uh, you know, do we have some, you know, crazy delusional view of what's going to happen? No, there's going to be more challenges come at us that we don't even see coming. Um, Dwayne Monia is the new interim yeah, administrator of RICA. Uh, he's a straight shooter. I've spent uh, a delightful amount of time just having good quality conversation with a guy. And he turned to me one time and he said, what's the biggest thing that's keeping you awake at night? And I said, our members aren't making enough money. Yeah. Like, that's, he said, really? And I said, well stated. Yeah. I said, that's what this is about. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're an organization that helps them do well. And if they're not doing well, that's something I need to think about. So is it my job to, you know, to put a buyer in front of them? No, but I can create an environment where they aren't getting pushed away. Yeah. And they don't have regulatory really constraints well that, that are making them crazy and bullshit rules like uh, the advertising stuff that was shoved at us. And it didn't matter how we argued it. Uh, it was turning into another exchange of 20 page letters. So we, we did it, but it, it's not the best way to do things. So yeah. at any rate, you know, I, I have great optimism for the coming year and the next couple of years. Um, but this is, this is a, a time to, to really Really be uh, introspective. You know, I used to always uh, do my, my business plan in December before it was a phrase. Uh, I did them for years. Uh, I would, I, I would do it, you know, before the end of the year, I would sit and write my goals. I would sit and make my plan. Mostly it was a glorified marketing plan. Yeah. But, yeah. But I would, I would detail everything and I would write it out. And again, going back to that theory about to do the structure and then I can be creative and suddenly decide, Oh, I'm going to work with the builder. You know, it feels like, you know, squirrel. Yeah. But, but I was working with the builder with an open mind and, decided not long after not to work with a builder, but fair. <laughs> 80% of my time, 30% of my income. Yeah, yeah. This is a problem you need to solve, builder. He goes, no, I'm not solving that. I go, well, oh, I'm out here. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing you have to look at with your business because this, the real estate uh, career is exciting and, and, and it's full of opportunity, but you have, you have to really figure out honestly what you're best at. 
and then and then just build everything around that. And, and if it feels like it's small to start with, look at how you can make it scalable later. But you can't start out here. Yeah. No business does that. And no business introduces new business tools and says, you'll figure it out. You're smart. You know, it looks like the other one. So don't let yourself do that. Like take yeah. every business tool in your downtime and get expert at it. So, yeah. so you can quickly do that work that you need on the fly. And when you do it in a seamless way and the consumer get, gets what they want, that's, that's a win. Alan, outstanding. Thank you so much for giving us uh, an insight into your yeah. world. Which I can tell there was a lot of, uh, like I said, we'll have to do the beer thing. I'd love, to, I'd love to dig a little deeper into right? of these things. So <laughs> anytime, anytime. That's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're going to ask you uh, one question that was omitted from this is, um, Alex expressed some concern with Sarah Johnson as a, as the chair and we wanted to dig a little bit deeper. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just, a, just spit water. Right? <laughs> so Sarah's awesome. We love her. Uh, you know, um, we're, we're grateful for, uh, the leadership that she provided well. Um, to the members and, yeah. and your leadership as well. And I got to tell you, um, you know, if, if, if you decide that in, you know, two years time or whatever happens to be that there's a new life opportunity for you, um, we are extraordinarily grateful for your service. I've yeah. been around in organized, well, on the, on the broker leadership side, um, before 2011. And I've seen both sides interacting with Kreb. And I got to tell you, um, you know, we love you guys. We think you guys are doing an awesome job. So thank yeah. you. I've got a fantastic team. They're trying their best. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fortunate to work with the board of directors I've, I've worked with the last eight plus years. Yep. Uh, and Chair Sarah is amazing. Yep. She's, uh, she's a force of nature. And this is the first time in our history we're having a chair for, well, except for probably, you know, 72 years ago. Yeah. Uh, where they couldn't find somebody to be president. But Sarah's a two year chair. Yeah. And what's really exciting about that is right now her and I are, are mid stride. And we really, uh, talk openly and work on our, 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 our leadership partnership. But, uh, having her, you know, accelerating into her second year right now and doing some amazing things and sharing her leadership with her board and, and creating it as more of a board leadership dynamic. It's leading edge stuff and it's really fantastic. And, uh, anyway, so yeah, no concerns about Sarah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I have a few concerns about Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Alan. This, if you guys want to come back to this at a later date, this will be posted up on our video library and as well as on any podcast, major download player, Apple iTunes. Um, I'm not going to name any other ones because I'm an Apple user. But if you're not an Apple user, you know where to find this podcast. Uh, CIA Realty Business Mastery. And that's all. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we hope you have a really good week. Have a good week. Thanks.